0: Welcome to Ariana Answers. I'm Dr. Ariana Brandolini, a clinical psychologist who lives in New York City. Every week, I answer a life question submitted by a listener like you. In the third season of my podcast, I dive deep into cognitive distortions, also known as negative thought patterns. Our cognitive distortions have a significant impact on our mental health. We have the ability to rewire our brains by getting to the root cause of these negative thinking habits, and instead build patterns of thinking that create joy. Each episode will have two parts, one where I break down the distortion, and the other where I give you an exercise to help you overcome. Would you like your question answered? Head over to the description of this video to submit. Now, let's jump into this week's episode.
1: Dear Dr. Ariana, I've been dating my girlfriend now for eight months. We've had a great time in our little bubble, getting to know each other and strengthening our bond. We recently decided to open a bubble to family and friends. We were nervous as we come from different cultural backgrounds but we figured it'd be better just to get over with. It was inevitable after all. Meeting each other's friends was easy and a joy. Family, however, took a bit of planning as both our families live in different parts of the country. Long story short, my family embraced her almost instantly, which I was happy about but her family was a different story. I couldn't get an accurate read on them. They held me at a bit of a distance, kind of cold. I knew instantly what they were thinking. I really don't like this guy. He's wrong for our daughter. How could she like him? He seems dull. I asked my girlfriend what she thought, and she said it's just how they are, that they'll warm up eventually. But I can't shake this feeling that they'll never warm up to me, that they'll always hate me, and since then, every time I'm in the room and my girlfriend's on the phone with her mum, I get anxious. It's crazy, I know, but I can't get beyond it and it's totally screwing my confidence. What should I do?
0: When you assume that you know what other people are thinking without having sufficient evidence of their thoughts, that's called mind reading. He thinks I'm a loser. She hates me. My boss thinks I'm dumb. So many of my patients expend so much energy trying to guess or decipher or predict what other people think about them. It's human nature to guess what others are thinking and act accordingly. But when we have anxiety, depression, or been through trauma, our mind becomes a projector. We broadcast our thoughts into the minds of others and assume that our thoughts are their thoughts. Mind reading makes us think that we absolutely and unequivocally know what someone else is thinking and it's always negative. Healthy mind reading is actually called Mindsight. It's a really important human skill. It enables us to negotiate, cooperate, achieve emotional closeness with others. It helps us figure out when we're being manipulated or lied to. It's how we know when someone actually likes our cooking or is choking it down out of politeness. Having mind-sight is a fundamental quality of social intelligence. When mind-sight becomes mind-reading, meaning skewed and unhealthy, it can have pretty negative consequences. It can lead to conflict because of misunderstanding, it can make us feel lonely in relationships, and in extreme cases, it can even result in violence. Abusive partners typically and inaccurately attribute critical thoughts to their significant other and that's why they lash out. Do you think you're pretty good at knowing what other people are thinking? If you do, you are not alone. But actually, you're really terrible at it. Psychologist William Ikes, who's the father of research on empathy and mind reading, published a study where strangers were videotaped while having a conversation with each other. Each individual later reported their second-by-second thoughts and feelings, as well as their assessments of their conversation mate's thoughts and feelings. The results were that people read each other with an average accuracy rate of 20%. Close friends and married couples did slightly better at 35%. When I first start meeting with someone, a lot of what we initially work on is building awareness of their own thinking patterns. A vast majority of the time, people are surprised at how hard it is to even know what they themselves are thinking. Knowing our own mind, our own thoughts, our own motivations is challenge enough, let alone the minds of strangers or even relatives, friends, or partners. What makes mind reading really tricky is that its interpretations are possible but these negative interpretations are given a lot more weight and feel a lot more certain than other more realistic and more likely interpretations. Some examples that I've heard over the years. A coworker doesn't say hi in the hallway. Oh, They're obviously mad with me about something. Or you get to work a little late and as you rush in you think, oh, everyone must be upset and annoyed at me that I was late. Or if you're eating alone at a restaurant you think, Ugh, everyone thinks I'm such a loser. All of these are definite possibilities. Your coworker might be mad at you. Your colleagues might be annoyed. People might think you're a loser. But another likely interpretation is that your coworker didn't actually notice you because they were preoccupied with something going on at home or their next meeting. People at work might actually not really care if you're late. They're too concerned with whatever project they have coming up and they might even empathize because they're late too sometimes. And yes, people at restaurants might be judging you and thinking you're a loser, but they might also be more concerned with your meal and having a good time to even notice that you're dining alone. Do you feel like your thoughts are often spiraling and hard to control? Is it hard to stop thinking negatively about your life? I get it. And I've helped many people like you recognize and overcome negative thought patterns which allowed them to thrive to help you in this process I've developed a program called Power Thoughts. This program helps you understand how thoughts physically change your brain and then equips you with the tools to rewire your thinking. To find out more click the link in my podcast description. There's a direct correlation between having a good handle on your own mental state meaning things like being mindful of the thoughts you're having and the feelings they're eliciting, being able to manage them and to keep them in somewhat of a healthy and balanced place. So there's a correlation between that and drawing accurate conclusions about other people. Children hone their mindsight skills by witnessing adult conversations where they learn the complexities and social rules of interactions. Play with their peers gives them opportunity to practice mind and so this is a necessary preparation for knowing what it's going to be like when they're in a grown-up mind. These developmental milestones and abilities are seamless in the normal course of a child's development but this process can be impaired depending on the environment you grew up in. Say you grew up in a family where anger was not managed well. As a result, you may tend to pick up on false threats and do a lot of distorted mind reading. You might do this a lot if you're in an abusive or emotionally unstable environment as a kid in order to protect yourself and stay ahead of your aggressor's moods. But now that you might be out of that situation, this cognitive distortion has become a habit that is still keeping you in an arousal state in your current relationships where you're projecting anger and aggression into your partner's thoughts, even if they have your best interests at heart. Because our internal mechanisms color our mindset, all our particular prejudices, biases, and memory distortions affect our ability to do this even remotely accurately. As another example, if you were invalidated a lot growing up, and not given room to name your emotions or trust your opinions. You trust other people's reactions more than your own thinking. So you're looking for external anchors to inform your own mind. The problem is you spend so much time trying to focus on what other people are thinking and their opinions that you don't have any more capacity to actually focus on figuring out what are my values and my opinions and my principles and focusing on productive things that you can actually control, not somebody else's mind. Mind reading happens a lot in social anxiety where people take their own thoughts of self-doubt and sometimes self-hatred and assume that others are thinking those very same things. If you tend to be a people pleaser, you want to control what others others think of you because you don't have a strong sense of self. So you get worth and value from the outside in versus inside out. Ultimately, like all cognitive distortions, mind reading is completely useless. Besides the fact that when people are annoyed with you, most of the time they'll hide their feelings and just act polite. I know that as a people pleaser myself, I am a fantastic actress. I'll be upset at the quality of food at a restaurant. The waiter will come by to check and I'll be like, it's delicious. The only way that we know what someone else is thinking is to ask. Do you find this information helpful? Is there a certain topic you'd like us to cover? Leave us a comment and review about what you'd like to hear. Worst of all, mind reading can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because we think someone is thinking badly about us, we'll act in reaction to that thought. We might avoid them, we might act defensively, we'll talk badly about them or be aggressive. And in turn, the other person will pick up on this tension perhaps start to pull away or feel annoyed and frustrated with you and the negative interaction you imagined has become a reality and you're like see exactly what I thought. This happens so often in long-term relationships. Many times partners will become lazy and complacent relying on assumptions and mind-reading rather than curiosity and discovery to understand what their partner is thinking and feeling. They become less and less accurate while becoming more and more certain that their mind reading is truth. Often couples are shocked at what the other is actually thinking and feeling when they come into couples therapy because of their disconnection. So remember these five words, stay in your own head. If you're experiencing depression and anxiety of any kind, whether it's stress or a diagnosis like social anxiety disorder, your mind reading is probably incorrect. When you recognize that you're engaging in mind reading, the key is to bring awareness to your mind projector and remind yourself to stay in your own head. If you want to know what someone is thinking, ask them. Something I tell people in relationships is, assume nothing. Assumption is one of the main reasons why conflict happens in interpersonal relationships, especially more established ones where partners stop putting in as much effort. They think that because they've known this person for a while, they just sort of know them better. Practice healthy communication by doing the brave thing and actually asking someone how they're feeling. Here are some phrases to get you started. Hey, I noticed that you seem, name an emotion, upset, worried, preoccupied. I'd love to know what's on your mind. Or, I noticed, insert behavior. You're scowling more. You're not talking to me. I want to check in whether I did anything to upset you. Or, yesterday when we were talking about this project, you, insert behavior, left early, seemed upset. I'd love to know where your head's at with this. Feel free to take these and modify them to make them your own. Good luck. Today, we're going to do a brief meditation exercise on the power of individual experience and perspective. So sit comfortably and allow your eyes to close. We're going to do some two to one breathing, which is where our exhales are twice as long as our inhales. And this breathing technique is really effective for prayer or mindfulness or even endurance sports because it decreases the nerve activity in the sympathetic nervous system, which is when we're really aroused. And it increases the influence of the more quieting parasympathetic nervous system, which regulates the relaxation response. So I want you to inhale for one, two, and exhale for one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, exhale, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, exhale, two three, four. Keep it going. Keep your breathing even and smooth. If the count feels too short, you can increase the breath to lengths of four in and six out. And no need to push yourself if longer breaths create any anxiety. The most important thing is that the exhale is longer than the inhale. So once more, inhale, one, two, exhale, four, three, two, and one. Now go back to the natural easy breath, releasing any control. American poet, John Godfrey Sachs wrote his version of the blind man and the elephant in the mid 19th century. And you might know the story, or you might hear it today for the first time. Regardless, I want you to remember this poem whenever you need to gain a little perspective. 1. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy His mind. Two. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. Three. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Ho, what have we here, so very round and smooth and sharp? To me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. 4. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. 5. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. Six. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said e'en the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. 7. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant, is very like a rope. 8. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong.